It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This episode contains graphic content. Listener discretion advised. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Untold Story podcast. I'm Martha McCallum. Thank you very much for joining us. And today we have, I don't know if I can call it special, but it's a unique edition of the Untold Story podcast because there's a very horrific untold story that I was a witness to on last Friday, almost... um, not quite a week ago. And that morning, I went over to the Israeli consulate with several other journalists and reporters. And I didn't really know what to expect when we got there. But we ended up watching uh, about, I guess, 45, 50 minutes of the Hamas video of what happened on October 7th. And then yesterday, Uh, Dana Perino and I ended up talking about it on her show on America's Newsroom when I was there filling in for Bill Hemmer. And she graciously agreed to join me in this podcast today to talk a little bit more about it, because um, I think that's the point, really, to to talk about it. Hi, Dana. It's one of the untold stories that must be told, which is why they invited you in the first place. Right. So I I, I said, well, why don't I come on? And sort of interview you a little bit because you are a modest person. You don't always talk about yourself. So I'm going to give you a chance to do that on your own podcast. Thank you, um, so let's back up so that people understand. How do you think you were chosen and how many people were there that the Israeli consulate invited? You know, they had uh, invited a couple of executives from Fox and asked me to join them. And I, I don't really know. It was sort of, you know, why don't you come? This did, not, not a lot of information uh, about why we were going. I had been a few weeks prior during the U.N. meetings. I Before all this happened, I went to a breakfast, an off-the-record breakfast, with Prime Minister Netanyahu and a number of his senior staff. So I think that's probably why I was included in this. And mm. wow, was that a different time, completely different conversation. It was all about the hopeful coming peace process with Saudi Arabia. And it was a very When hopeful. was that? This was during the UN meetings. And oh, in September. When, when Netanyahu was here in September. So two weeks later, yes. the world changed. It was just a completely different, mm. you know, they were very proud of the security structure that they have in Israel. They felt very confident about all of that. And also about the conversations that they were having with the Saudis about moving forward on some kind of agreement. So um, and and very they felt very good about their intelligence, about the IDF, about all of their ability to protect Israel. And now we are it's like the world is upside down again. And it feels like it's still reeling, right, because the information still comes out. Victims are still dying or we're finding out about victims who you would have seen on the video and you find out. We thought she was missing, but now there is evidence that she died and that she was beheaded. And so let's talk a little bit about when you get there, they say, we're going to show you this video. And what did you think then? They spoke to us a little bit first. And then I could see, you know, on a big screen, it said, 
Hamas video October 7th, I realized what we were about to witness because I remembered Mike Tobin and Trey Yinks had both watched it because obviously the Israelis are trying to share it with as many people as they can. They can't distribute it widely. The families of these people who were killed do not want that to happen, but they want enough people to know so that they can continue to share it. Um, and explain to people what happened that day because there's a lot of there's a lot of denial out there that I'm hearing more and more. So when I think about what I saw, uh, unless you're the type of person who thinks that the moon landing didn't happen or that 9/11 didn't happen, uh, you are going to watch this video and know that you are seeing the most horrific thing you've ever witnessed. Before we talk about what you did see, I noted that. You know, Queen Rania of Jordan, who is Palestinian herself, yes. she did an interview with CNN's Christiane Amanpour last week, and it was very hurtful to a lot of people in Israel uh, because they felt that she was denying what happened. And if you see this quote from her, she says that it hadn't that there were double standards in the media, and that CNN. She asked Christiane Amanpour, "Would you?" Uh, because of they had not been independently verified, would you actually say it? And she keeps pressing that point. But I think that her understanding of the situation, she would benefit from watching the video. Right? She's in a position of power. Absolutely. Before she I, says something like that. I would encourage her to watch the video. I understand that she's coming at all of this from a very different place. And she said... Palestinian mothers love their babies just as much as Israeli mothers love theirs. And I think we can all understand and accept that, of mm-hmm. course. That, that isn't what this is about. There's death that is happening. There is a war going on. And it was triggered by these events. Mm-hmm. You know, if Hamas had not crossed over that border and broken through that iron wall and slaughtered 1,400 people in a way that was intentional, they had GoPros on their, you know, That's strapped you to their the video, heads. Right. right? Of, and they got on motorcycles. They wanted the world to see what they were doing. And it was intentionally barbaric to drive a stake into people's hearts. And that's exactly what they did. So now there is the retaliation that's coming back to Gaza, um, you know, through no fault of many of those innocent civilians. But that's what's happening. Could you describe for people maybe a couple of the scenes that you saw or what you think is the most um, important thing for us to know mm-hmm. with you as our witness, as our eyes and ears? You know, one of the things that really struck me is in the early stages of the video You see them getting on their motorcycles and they have guns and they're kind of cruising through these villages and towns. And it's very ominous because it's so early on a Saturday morning. You picture yourself and your family kind of either still sleeping in your beds or just maybe getting up in your pajamas and getting coffee. And try to imagine that these armed militants are banging on your doors and if you see them, you're going to run and hide, which is obviously what happened in a lot of these cases. And a lot of people went down into the bomb shelters. They live with this reality daily and they are always living in fear. That's why there are big gates and gatehouses at the entrances to these kibbutzes, because um, they're always worried that somebody might be coming to them. But it's also worth mentioning that so many of the individuals who lived in these kibbutzes had spent time volunteering in Gaza. They were hopeful for peace between the two sides. And 
So it's just so ominous as you watch this and you think about what it's like on a Saturday morning in your pajamas. And then they start, when they can't get into certain houses, you see them using lighters and lighting things on fire that will burn quickly and that will set the whole houses on fire. Knowing that there's people inside. Absolutely. Because they can't get in. One thing that I had learned about was that in 1992, I believe it was, there was a law in Israel passed that any new structure built in Israel had to have a safe room. But one of the part, because of the rocket attacks. Mm -hmm. But because the rocket attacks would possibly demolish the rest of the building, the law also said that the door to the safe room could not have a lock on it. And in addition to that... Many children sleep in the safe room because if in the middle of the night there's a rocket attack, the parents don't have to then be moving the children into the safe room. The parents just go into the safe room and then everybody's supposedly safe. But what happened here was that obviously the terrorists knew that the safe rooms would not be locked. And you saw some of that as well. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that, actually. So that's a detail I didn't know about the fact that the safe rooms don't lock. Right. There are moments that, you know, that we talked about this the other day, but the most terrifying moment to me was, you know, you see so much blood and so much shooting, but these, the children, the hearing these children is just the thing that I can't get out of my head. So there's one moment when the you see them toss a grenade into one of these safe rooms and you're right so they could they push the door open and they toss the grenade in and the, the father and the boys are in there and um then the boys come running out but the father was killed and so they're very emotional obviously these two young boys and they're kind of crying and they're in their pajama pants and running into the house and this militant is just walking next to them is Hamas terrorist with his gun and they he kind of ushers them into the kitchen and then he opens their refrigerator and starts drinking milk and juice out of their refrigerator and the boys are just hysterical crying and um one of them saying I can't see I can't see something happened with the smoke obviously um I don't know if he lost his vision or if it was just temporary, but he then the other boy um, yells for his mother. I want my mother Mm -hmm. screaming. And this guy is just so brazen in their kitchen, just like he owns their house and he's pulling things out of the kitchen and not paying any attention to these boys. And then the the same boy who said he wanted his mother says why am i alive he's so terrified and he wants to be dead this little 10 year old boy is wishing that he were dead and you later see a later scene that idf soldiers come and they are holding the mother up holding her arms and she's digging her feet in like she doesn't want to be taken away from her house i don't know what happened to the boys i pray that they're alive and that they were reunited with their mother i don't know but um do you think the idf could find that out i do and i mm-hmm. i i, I want to ask mm-hmm. some of the people who were you know, mm-hmm. showing us the film because I would imagine they know. And some people in the room who were showing us the film um, said, I can't watch this. Right. I can't watch it. You know, people turned their heads and I tried to watch it, but there were times when I closed my eyes. And, you know, the the other thing that it was so, because uh, these are the things to me that are about just human beings and what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. 
beyond, you know, the blood and all the charred bodies. Those those stories are over when you look at it. You see what happened to them. But uh, there's a cell phone call that I think was they said was made from a one of the victim's cell phones. A terrorist, Tomas terrorist, picked it up and called his parents, and he was yelling joyfully. Mom and dad, you must be, you will be so proud of me. I just killed 10 Jews with my hands. And they say that they're so proud of him and Mm. that they wish they were there with him and they're so proud of him. And it's just such a window into the depth of this hatred, which is why we're we're realizing now. Also, for the hostages, they're taking back over the border into Gaza then. And remember, they were paraded through the streets. And when you're paraded through the streets, that means there were people cheering. Oh, yeah. There's hints of rape in the yes, video. They, they don't show that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of people saw the woman whose pants were soiled and mm-hmm. she was being pushed in a Jeep. And then there were people taking pictures of her. There were people that mm-hmm. got into the Jeep and, and there were people sticking their phones in there and taking snapping pictures. Mm-hmm. So you don't see what's happening in there, but you can certainly think about what's probably happening in there. And, you know, that's the kind of, it, you know, I think, boy, you know, I, I don't, watching it is, yes, it's difficult, but oh my God, these Living people it? lived this. And if it's hard for any of us mm-hmm. who see it to you know, say, oh, I'm going to have that in my head. For oh my God, can you imagine these people? And, that, and you know, and if they were, and to know that you're targeted because of who you are and right. for what you believe, and I can imagine that was in your neighborhood. Yeah, right? with all of your friends and your families that that you've known for years. The untold story continues right after this. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Apparently, President Biden has seen the video. And I wonder what that was like for him and what sort of... Obviously, he's got a tough job. I know he does. But um, how he reacted to it, I wonder. I wonder... I know initially, and still, we were backing Israel's um, resistance to having any ceasefire, and we are supporting them in that. As John Kirby said the other day, that would just mean that Hamas, that would be a win for Hamas, and the president has said that we have rock-solid support for Israel, and... I'm sure it was very difficult for him to to view the video. I think it's good that, but he it's saw important it. that he did. Absolutely, you kind of want to show it at the UN Security Council. Well, I I think the Israeli officials would like to show it everywhere. Okay, because they want people to mm-hmm. see it. They want people to understand what happened because it's amazing how quickly. It's really astonishing to me how quickly the shift happened of this division. I remember people saying right after it happened, oh, you know, well, how much patience will there be for Israel's retaliation in this? And I thought, maybe naively, that there would be. And so quickly, how quickly it turned. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say, we, you know, it's terrible what's happening. There's the also a very interesting discussion about proportionality. So in the rules right. of war that are actually written down, there's this thing called proportionality. Highly recommend to everybody listening if you want to know more about that. Um, Columbia law professor Matthew Waxman, who worked in the Bush administration, did an interview with Dan Senor at the Call Me Back podcast, and he explains what proportionality is supposed to mean. But 
the bottom line to me from that podcast was that there is no proportionality written in terms of if you, for what the things that you saw where you have innocent civilians, children murdered, their bodies desecrated, degraded, taken hostage. Like what how, what's the proportionality? It's hard. It's to not written. Imagine it. It's you know. I would. I would love to ask him what the what's the proportionality for nine eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, innocent people who get in their cars and go to work in the morning. Yep. And you know, for many of them, it was an instant death. But for many, it was not. Uh, they died of smoke inhalation when they were trying to get up to the rooftop to get out of the building. They died. They had, you know, many of them, it was not instant at all. It was torture. Right. So um, I, well, I don't He's know. a good person to ask because yes. he worked in the Bush administration as a lawyer um, uh, and an expert on war. One of the things apparently at the event where you, at the um, meeting that you ha- were, that you attended, a journalist asked at the briefing if he believes that Israel is losing the PR war. And Major General Mickey Edelstein answered by saying that, quote, he's amazed that some have tried to minimize what happened in Israel, to what you just said, Martha, mm-hmm. that equating Hamas's acts to Israel strikes in Gaza. And I see this in the media all the time. Yesterday, I saw after the IDF rescued that hostage, a lot of the media was saying that she was freed. I'm like, oh, no, no. That's not that's not Hamas out of the goodness of the heart releasing mm-hmm. this IDF soldier. They tracked her down. They were able to get her back. That is a rescue. Um, but this Major General Edelstein said, we are acting by different values. And I don't really know what you do except for fight for your values. Well, absolutely. And I think... That the argument that Israel is making now, which seems, you know, it's interesting to me that it has to be justified in many ways at this point, but they see this as a struggle for their existence. And when you look at what Iran is doing in terms of these attacks on U.S. forces, and now you see more activity from Hezbollah in the north, they've made no um excuses or made no bones about the fact that they don't want Israel to exist. And one of the reasons that the two-state solution talks have broken down decade after decade is that when it looked like they were very close, Hamas or the Palestinian Authority at the time pushed away from the table and walked out. Because to leave that negotiation and come back to your people and not have and allow Israel to have its own territory and have a state is not negotiable. Mm-hmm. So the Palestinians in the past have not been able to leave these talks and come home and say, you know, there's going to be an Israel and a Palestine. That That's a non-acceptable outcome for many of the Palestinians and their leadership. So it's very difficult to imagine how you get there. This morning, I was as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about how when you are sitting there and it's though it's on a big screen, it's not a movie. That's right. And that must have been really hard to watch. And I thought about the... Um, the most violent movies I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even come close. Mm. Like the imagination of the worst movie you've ever seen did exactly. not match the barbarity of these terrorists. No, because it's just, you know, people s- slaughtered in their beds and blood-soaked mm-hmm. mattresses and clothing and everything is so, you know, and their breakfast is still on the table in some cases. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's un- mm-hmm. un- unimaginable. What was it like when you went home that 
night and talk to your husband and your children about it? Yes, it. Um, I didn't want to talk. I didn't really want to talk about what was in it at first at all. And then the next day, I went for a walk with my husband, and I did talk about what was in it. Partly because I think I didn't want him to have those images in his head either. Yeah. And um, I wanted to. Yeah, I didn't want him to have those images in his head. But then I, I realized that each, even just talking about it or hearing it is n- not nearly as bad as seeing it. So I think everybody should be able to handle yeah. hearing about it. Well, you have an important responsibility, right? Whoever, anybody that was in the room has this important responsibility. Absolutely. And you carry it well. It's not a burden. It's one that you're like, okay, what's well, a responsibility? It's the least like, that you can do. Right. Um, maybe as... We kind of wrap it up. I was wondering about your trip to Israel mm. that you took in June. For, for listeners to the podcast, if you if you haven't listened to the episode with Jonathan Morris, I highly yeah. recommend it. But you walked through you know, your journey and your adventure that you took earlier this year that meant, was meant so much to you. Um, do you think this story affects you more so now have, having had a chance to do that travel? Absolutely. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to go. I had always wanted to go. I sort of always thought, oh, you know, of course we'll get there at some point. And I'm so, I'm so glad that we did go when we did. We went the end of May, beginning of June with our family, most of our family and a bunch of friends, including Jonathan Morris, who many of you know, and who, as Dana says, I spoke with about the trip. Um, we went all over Israel, um, Galilee and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, and we went into the West Bank. So we went through the checkpoints. We went in and out of these checkpoints. We saw the kibbutzes in the West Bank that um, had these guard areas in front of them. And then I picture them completely different now when I see these villages that were overrun. At one point in the video, they wait, the militants wait for someone to be coming out of the gate because it's six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning and they're sort of hanging back. And as soon as someone drives through the gate and it opens, then they storm mm-hmm. that village. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I was actually just looking at some pictures this morning of how peaceful and beautiful and amazingly historic it is. And also how when you go through the old city and you've been there, Dana, I think several times, it's um, wonderful to see... Muslims and Jews and Christians and Armenians all living in the four quarters of the old city mm-hmm. peacefully and respecting each other's turf, you know, and each other's cultures. So it's not to say it's not a little tense there. It was, but it's it was they managed, you know, they managed to all live in these incredible historic places that represent all of these religions all on top of each other. So, yeah, it's especially heartbreaking having just just been so overwhelmed by the beauty and the history of Israel. So now the story moves to the war and also to the war of public opinion. And we were talking yesterday about especially on college campuses, but not just on college campuses. We, I interviewed a young woman today who's a college student at Columbia. She's a graduate student. She's Jewish. She said, like a month ago, I thought that we were all the same, that, that, we, that this was my community, and they were for my causes, and I was for their causes, and it turns out actually they want me to not be here. And she feels like the world has just been torn apart for her, 
Um, she's a very bright young woman. Noah Fay is her name. Uh, you'll see, you'll you'll be seeing this woman in her yeah, life. Absolutely. She's got a bright future. But that campus story is one of the stories that will be told. Are there any other stories or angles on this that you're paying attention to that we should all be watching for? Well, I'm I'm amazed by how how easy it was to scratch this off the surface and have this anti-Semitism explode. I mean, look at what happened in Russia. They surrounded a plane and asked people's passports to show what, to see whether or not they were Jewish getting off in Dagestan. And I heard Doug Murray last night talking to Laura Ingram, and he was very passionate and upset about what is happening in London. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands of people pouring into the streets and protesting. And he, you know, we've we've had a ton of migration around the world, right? And where people used, to, I mean, his argument, you'll have to listen to him say it. He says it better than I will, but, um, and it will be controversial what he said, but, but he's saying, you know, it used to be that people came to the United States and they wanted to assimilate, right? Generations of Italians and Irish and Scandinavian and um, all of these generations of people who came here and wanted to learn to speak English. Sure, and Vietnamese, be, and be Russian, Amer- absolutely, of course, right. and be Americans and Hispanics and mm-hmm. and you know people from all over the world. My husband was talking about a uh, Uber driver from Russia. He had this great conversation with the other day and how he was talking about this is the greatest country in the world. Mm. It's the most amazing place of opportunity. So. Um, but there are some people who don't want to, um, who don't want to be part of it yeah. and don't want to, don't come here to be American or go to the UK to, to be part of that world. You can still maintain the country that you come from, but it's a way of saying, I want to be part of this. That's mm-hmm. why I came here. Um, and, and that has changed dramatically. I'm, I'm worried about the world right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very, probably the mm-hmm. scariest time I've ever I've ever witnessed, honestly. And that's saying something. Yeah. You've been a witness to a lot. Well, thank goodness you're here at Fox News and that you went to this briefing to be our eyes and ears. Oh, well, thank you, Dana. And thank you for talking about it. You have so much experience covering these stories as well. And uh, the story's different. It, it is. It feels different. <laughs> it is, right? We yeah. have a, a lot to figure out. And, um, you know, we'll all, you know, watch this coverage and as it unfolds day by day, I know that the American people and our viewers are very, very interested in what's going on. So thank you so much thank for you. taking the time to talk with me. The Untold a Story, to be with one of the best yesterday. podcasts out there. Oh, highly recommend you. it. Thank <laughs> you. And uh, we'll, we'll look for you later on the five. Yes, thank and, you. And um, your great coverage this morning on America's Newsroom, as always. So Thanks. thank you, Dana. Okay. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.